0: So, Pentecost, as we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit to Christ's people people in a very new and powerful way. Probably all of us are familiar with the reading that comes from the story in Acts, it's one of the readings for today, where the disciples of Jesus are all in one place, probably the temple. Um, because it was the second of the three great feasts in the year, the first being Passover, Pentecost the second, Tabernacles the final one. And a time when God said to his people, you should come to Jerusalem and meet me in my house, in my temple. So I'm going to suggest to you they're probably in the temple, which makes sense of the story as we read on. The Holy Spirit, if you remember, falls on them in a very powerful way, People think they're drunk and Peter says, no, 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 let me explain. They're not drunk because this event was foretold by the prophet Joel when, as God says, the spirit of God will be poured out. And what you are seeing is this being fulfilled. You are witnesses. So Pentecost is a time in the church year which is actually amazing and exciting and yet also challenging for some of us certainly for me because it's such an important event to the Jews who received their law, their Torah through Moses at Pentecost at Mount Sinai and to us as Christians because of course It not only marks the birth of the Church of Christ, but a new journey with God, where the indwelling of God's Spirit is now available and real for us, his people. And in the reading that Graham read in Jeremiah, we hear God foretelling the coming of a new covenant, which we now recognize as the covenant that was brought in by Jesus through his death and resurrection And is sealed, was sealed by the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Who is, as Paul says in Ephesians, our guarantee of God's promises. Is the seal on the covenant. And is also, as Paul says in Romans, the mark of our being grafted in. To participate participate fully in those promises through Christ. And yet, it leaves me always with two questions. Yes, but, why do we not see the marks of the Holy Spirit's presence acting so publicly and so powerfully today if the church is indeed embodied by the Holy Spirit as it is and as we are? And why do I not experience this Because my experience, perhaps our experience of the Holy Spirit, is very different. And the past few days, God has been taking me on a journey in search of answers for my two questions. And I hope as I tell you a small part of that journey that it may help you as you sit with whatever your questions are too. And so, the place... Fairly unexpectedly, as I trawled around Scripture during the week with the Holy Spirit, the place that I landed was looking at three of God's covenants, the promises that he's made throughout the ages. Now, there may be some of you who are kind of surprised to know that he made more than two, because we tend to think of, well, there's two, isn't there? There's the old one and the new one. The old one's dead and gone, the new one's replaced it. Well, sort of, yeah, but... Uh, God made quite a few promises. And the three I was led to were the covenant with Israel at Sinai, that first Pentecost, really. The new covenant, of course. And thirdly, the, the final one made to Abraham. He made some promises to Abraham, several, but the final covenant, which then he made with Abraham at another mountain, Mount Moriah which is Jerusalem. <clears throat> so the covenant with, A- A- with uh, Israel, where the law was given, the Torah, which is what we call the old covenant. And the covenant with Abraham that reminds us, perhaps, that covenants are alive and well. They're still relevant for us some of the covenants in the Old Testament. It isn't all the old is past, the new has replaced it. But I hope that you'll see with me that actually God's word never fails. So the covenant at Sinai, at Pentecost you remember God comes down and he speaks with his people and they say, no, keep a distance. We'll send you Moses. We don't want you to talk to us. And Moses relates a promise that God gives to his people that he's ready to make. And it's a conditional promises, promise. I kept meaning to check whether it's the only conditional promise. I don't know. But Uh, This one is, this is the one that said, if you will obey my words, then you will be my special treasure and you will be holy. Israel's response, one could say quite rashly, is, yep, we'll do it all. We can do it. We'll do it all, God. You just throw it at us and we will do it. And yet, indeed, within a few days, while Moses is on the mountain talking to God, they don't just break a law, they destroy the law. Because they make for themselves a new God, a different God, a God of gold, the golden calf, and they worship it. And if you think of the context, very different than one we live through. Because they've had days and weeks of God just hurling signs and wonders and miracles at them as they leave Egypt. So they've seen a constant deluge. And yet they say, effectively, to God, you don't exist for us. You're not the God we want. We want one of our own making, one we like the look of. One that's familiar, controllable. And we can ask ourselves the question, I certainly can for myself, sometimes I do the same. I wish to make God a God that I like the look of. But after this, Moses and God are fairly understandably pretty angry. And the result is that 3,000 Israelites die. As an aside, one may note if you read Acts that at Pentecost, that second Pentecost really, God comes down again in the person of the Holy Spirit powerfully and this one, this time it leads not to death but to life because there's a little piece there that says about 3,000 people were saved, in other words come to life, new life. But the covenant God is speaking, the covenant that God is speaking of in Jeremiah, this new covenant, he says, it won't be like that one that I made with them at Sinai because they broke it. This new covenant requires absolutely nothing on their part. I myself will do it all. And this, of course, we know as the covenant of grace brought to us as a free gift through Jesus, sealed at Pentecost by the Holy Spirit. And as the writer of Hebrews says, this is a new and better covenant. And Paul in Ephesians says, the Holy Spirit is given to us, effectively, my word's not his, to seal the deal. We are sealed as soon as we accept him. But as I alluded to before, God has made other covenants throughout the ages and through the Old Testament. And the one he brought me to was the one at Mount Moriah that he made with Abraham. And it has relevance not just for Israel and Abraham, but for us. Abraham has demonstrated that his faith, his trust in God is so amazing you might call it outrageously amazing that he's even prepared to give up his own beloved son if God requires it of him, Genesis 22. And of course, we know that it's God's beloved son that will actually perform the sacrifice. But because his trust in God is so outrageous, It has no limits, it seems. God makes Abraham a double promise. One for Abraham and one for us, you and me. Because he says, first your own descendants, because of this your own descendants will be like the stars in the sky, the sand on the seashore. So many and greatly blessed. But he goes on to say, and it will also be through your seed, Abraham, that all peoples will be blessed. And this time he's not speaking of Abraham's descendants. He uses the seed in the singular version. Your one seed, there is one seed that will come from you through through whom all things, all peoples will be blessed. And of course we know We see that as fulfilled by Jesus, who is and was that seed of Abraham. So that's part of my journey, and I hope that you can take from this that, firstly, God is a God of promises, of covenant. And covenants that, as the writer of Hebrews suggests, he continues to guard and keep. He cannot, the writer says, break His promises. Even though sometimes we would like to say that he does. He cannot. There is one covenant that he has not broken, but it has been superseded by a better covenant. Again, as the writer of Hebrews says. The conditional promise that he made at Sinai If you obey, you will be blessed. And he gives them the law. And now that is replaced by the new covenant. And we see the promise given to Abraham also being worked out through us, through the Gentiles. And just a reminder that of course the people of Israel who are believing Israelites do still stand under that promise made at Sinai and we look forward to a time when they also may receive the blessing of the new covenant so this brings us back to Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God's new covenant and Pentecost remember Jeremiah speaks about this new covenant as one in which Absolutely nothing is asked of us. All is done by God when he comes to do a new work in us, beginning to transform our hearts and our minds from the inside out. And this new covenant has been fulfilled through the death of Jesus Christ and sealed, as Paul says in Ephesians, in the person of the Holy Spirit. Through the death of Jesus, we are brought eternal life. Life in all its fullness. No need need anymore to fear death, knowing that we are safe. Our lives are secure. Our journey into that fullness of life began the moment we turned to Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And sealed by the Holy Spirit, as God's Spirit puts the final seal on the covenant, as Paul writes in Ephesians. So the first insight that I received was a surprising one because I suddenly realised that perhaps you can see, as, as I saw, you may have recognised it a lot earlier than me, why Jesus says in John 16, it's absolutely vital that I return to the Father, for if I do not, the Holy Spirit will not come. In other words, the covenant won't be fully sealed. So how does this journey speak to the questions I began with? Why do we not see the Holy Spirit powerfully and publicly today? We do sometimes, but nothing like that first Pentecost. And why do I not experience Him in this way? And the answer for me that is emerging—it may be different for for you—but is becoming a bit clearer for me—are two things: first, that that first Pentecost was to be that visible, public fulfilment or sealing of the covenant of the promises made to Israel. By the prophet Joel, by God in the prophet Joel, and through other prophets, including Jeremiah. God saying, Okay, it's now, I have come, the covenant is sealed, the promise has begun to be fulfilled, like a trumpet call, a one off event. But secondly, we are now living in a time which Daniel calls the time of the Gentiles when the Holy Spirit is at work, powerfully, is at work calling out a people for himself, drawing people to himself, changing our hearts and minds towards God. As we wait For his return. And so the nub of all of this. It seems to me is actually it's simple. It's free. As Peter says in Acts when he's quoting Joel. All. Everybody. Who call on the name of the Lord. Shall be saved. And later in verse 38. He says. Effectively, only one thing is asked, which is that you change your mind, you change your orientation, and let yourself be immersed or baptised into the name of Jesus. And he says, you will receive the Holy Spirit. So I don't know about you, some of you perhaps, but I now feel I can relax a bit. If I don't happen to experience the bells and whistles, the thunders and lightnings, Actually, it's okay. There are people who do, but I need not envy them. I need not worry about whether I've actually got a full portion of the Holy Spirit or whether I'm a proper Christian. It's okay. Because that first Pentecost was the Holy Spirit's triumphal entry to dwell among his people. And we now live in a time where we are all experiencing God's working out of the next phase in his plans for creation. And the exciting thing is that we are part of it, whether we're aware of it or not. So for your journeys, as we all journey, continue our journeys on, I hope like me, you can begin to say all is well our journey's present stop today at Pentecost is at the temple where we enter into all of God's promises and we journey with the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of God's Spirit, into the future. And it leaves us perhaps with Jesus' words, some of his final words from Matthew 28. We can journey on confident whether we experience bells and whistles or not, confident that as soon as we have received Christ as our Saviour and invited the Holy Spirit in, Jesus himself says to us, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen.